Hello and welcome to The Aside, a podcast for drama teachers and students. I'm Nick Waxman and today we are going to be giving you one of 50 Mama interviews. These interviews have been conducted by Drama Victoria over the last two years to celebrate their 50th birthday. These 50 interviews are 50 conversations with 50 legends of the Victoria drama teaching game. So sit back, relax and enjoy a slightly longer than usual version of The Aside. Please note that the audio quality varies depending on where the interview was recorded. Stephen Ritchie is now going to reveal his life's work in drama to us. Um, Welcome Stephen. Thank you for having me. And thank you for coming along. Um, I should say ahoy because it's the Sailing Ahead Conference for Victoria. Ahoy. We could start by having a think about how, why and when did you become a drama educator? I became a drama educator um, right from the beginning of my my career, uh, which was in 1979. I've been teaching drama ever since then. Um, I was employed at Scotch College uh, as a teacher of drama and English. I taught English there up until about 15 years ago, um, but throughout that time I've taught drama. I became interested in theatre and drama, as I think many of us will have, and that will have been as a result of uh, activities that we did at school ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I remember quite vividly a, a, a black and white poster on a on a glass window in the library in our school in Ballarat and it had the word Rusden on it and it had um, a, a hexagonal shape which I found quite intriguing. Like many students at that time we had no career counselling at all <laughs> and our careers pretty much were judged either by conversations with parents and how high our scores were in what was in those days uh, HSC. That's uh, right. Only just, I think matriculation had only just finished then too. And as a result, um, you, you put a list of preferences down on a, uh, on a form uh, in order of, uh, not of in level of interest, but in order of likelihood of getting into the course. <laughs> Now I know a lot of students still do that now and they have you know, medicine at the top and they have uh, um, you know, drama teaching at the bottom probably. But uh, in my case, I had a couple of teaching courses um, on that list. And that little poster in the library um, simply gave me a point of reference to an institution in Melbourne. I didn't know where it was. The fact that it was out at Clayton was a surprise, which I received on the day that I went to the interview because it involved me driving <laughs> where I uh, came from, um, a place called Bunanyong, just out of Ballarat, all the way across Melbourne to get there. And when I got there, I found that that strange little hexagonal shape was in fact the shape of the performing stage that they'd created there. Mm-hmm. And I made that little connection then between something that I'd seen, you know, you know fairly 
tedious library spare and the possibility of a career. And I applied, I did the interview, the audition, I, I got a position. I then had to find accommodation out at Monash. It was only, that was the very first year that the Rusden drama course had become um, a Bachelor of Education. We were the first intake for that mm -hmm. in 1979. Before that, it was a higher diploma of brackets, a uh, higher diploma of teaching, brackets secondary. And the people in the year before us had to do a conversion, so we felt very superior that we didn't have to do that. And uh, at that point, my, uh, my interest was fully maintained and nurtured by the quite uh, extraordinary people who were working there at the time. Partly, I think, due to the fact that there was no direct reference to teaching at all in the course. <laughs> now, this has been, I know this has been some consternation to us in conversation over the years, but um, we and I think most of the students who were what in those days called double drama students, because that means you did a double the allocation of drama units rather than four individual subjects. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of people saw it as um, as, as, as actually a, a drama school in its own right, mm. a place for experimentation in theatre. And remember, of course, the um, this is 1975. Places like, you know, very experimental theatre was going on in Melbourne, you know, uh, Pram Factory, those sorts of things were places were very, very... Um, they were started, they were sort of dominating the way uh, another new way of theatre was starting to define itself. Yeah, it was. And, and yet, Mama. yes, mm. and, and yet there was still perceived to be a deep conservatism in the professional theatre that was in Melbourne at the time. So I suppose all of these things sort of coalesced together and maintained my interest because I felt that something new and interesting was going on. And you wanted to be part of it. And I wanted to be part of it, but I, I have to admit that teaching of that same subject was not high on my thinking. That developed with the, the experience of going into the, um, uh, in, in fourth year, uh, the, the mandatory teaching practice. Yes bearing in mind that most of the teaching practice that we did was in fact not taught by people from our own department. It was a separate, it was a separate ability. Mm -hmm. Go out and teach. That's right. What you teach, you go and learn back in the department, but how do you actually make the connection between that subject matter and those kids? And delivering and the, it in a classroom. They were, they, were, they, were, they were quite distinct entities within the program. Yes, I recall that. It's like you did mm. the education unit and you did all of the drama yes. and, oh, and all the yeah, other, and they, yeah. they, they didn't seem mm. to bridge very much. It was like no, you were a double, no. almost like a double identity There were two, way. very much so, and the sort of theatre we did, while it may well have advanced us as theatre practitioners, and I must admit it certainly gave me the chance to extend myself in um, a range of the areas of stagecraft, of lighting and sound, mm. and mm. Those, and uh, um, I found that the sort of theatre we were doing actually didn't bear much relationship 
to the sort of theatre that I found myself having to either do or teach um, or direct in schools in over schools. the next 20 years. No. Linking to that, what changes have you witnessed over, over your career? Um, I, I, I suppose the most obvious one is the level of tolerance to the subject itself. Mm -hmm. um, but, I, and I think that there has been a, a, a gradual sea change in, um, in the way that the performing arts have been slowly recognised as being essential to a way a person operates within a community. Um, when we started, I think theatre was seen as an individual ex uh, artistic expression that a person may find. It was seen as something that one does in one's leisure time. A bit alternative. And an alternative version of that as well, but I don't think it, that it was recognised outside its own circles as being um, a life skill. So you feel that it's become more mainstream now, and more ce more central to it's curriculum. Very much more accepted as, uh, and I think that the acceptance has come first, and then it becomes more mainstream second. Mm. Um, there are qualities that students of drama gain through the um, uh, classroom process that are of immense value mm. um, in jobs, in life, um, in relationships that have or bear little or no res uh, re or re resemblance to being an actor on a stage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, the recognition of that has been very slow in coming. Oh yes, I think it's here. Uh, the transferable mm, skills, mm, um, mm. yes, are now able to be identified. And in fact, the, the learners in our classroom are the sorts of individuals that are desired by many areas of industry because those qualities of persistence, resilience, collaboration are all things that are... Um, employers mm. require and make, and make that individual very functional. But even when we were learning it in college and even when I was, I'd been teaching for several years, it was never actually discussed in those terms. No. That is something that's developed since it became a subject. So I think it's had, it, it, it began for one reason and it's, it's, it, it's merged as its value has been slowly recognised yes. and that it's been perceived. Yes. Um, it's for, for now, for example, it's no longer a creative outlet. No. It's a training ground for a whole range of life skills. Yes. I think then... That's a nice way to it sum was, it up. Yeah, it, it, I think in those days, it was almost, it was, for, for students, it was really a creative outlet. Hmm. Hmm. And there was some value seen in it from the point of view of its ability to uh, draw students out of their, um, out of themselves. But I think beyond that, there was not a lot of articulation of what that value really meant. Yeah, there's more, more understanding were, of purpose. And yet we witnessed it making these changes to students yes. all the time. Yeah, as teachers you, know, you bear yeah. witness to it yeah. every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could you give some insight into the highs and lows of your career? So, And you can do it in any order. Um, you, you might want to take the low yeah. and then move us to the high or go roundabout with it. Look, I haven't had many lows in my career. Um, 
you know, you know, I, I'm someone who has who, who began their teaching career in one school and may well end up finishing their teaching <laughs> career in the same school. Um, but I think there was quite a period of time where um, where a level of conservatism seemed to remain in education and it seemed to be immovable. It seemed through the um, through the you know mid mid eighties to mid nineties, nothing seemed to change mm. from my mm. perspective. So that was sort of a, um, a, a, a gave a lot of teachers in my generation um, a level of despondency that caused a lot of them to leave the industry. I still am very um, close friends with many people who I met um, through Rusden or uh, tertiary study in the, um, in the 1970s. While there are a lot of them who are still teachers, there are a lot of them who left drama who teaching. Walked away from they walked it. away from it um, because they saw no future in it. Mm. And also because industry simply gave them a more varied career. Mm -hmm. And because against that, schools were not accepting drama as a year 11 and 12 subject. Mm. And when it was slowly accepted, it was called, what in those days they called it a group two subject. Yeah, group two. Uh, which said, you know, uh, uh, that to, to big private schools that said, those are the ones we don't teach. Yeah, and the they were regarded ones, the as ones a, we so, a soft subject. They were a soft option. So those are low periods, but, you know, high periods would really include the pleasant sense of surprise realising that the institution I worked for, which is Scotch College Melbourne, that they were very early in recognising the value of drama education. Mm -hmm. And that was unusual because that's a school that only taught Group 1 subjects. Yes. True Blue. Yes. And yet was probably one of the first schools in Victoria to introduce mandatory drama education in secondary school. Mm -hmm. I mean, as, as early as about 1970, mm. the school, all, all boys in year seven and eight did drama several times a week mm. Mm. with a specialist drama teacher in as yes. much as they existed then. Yes. And there wouldn't be many schools that that did that in the early 1970s. No, no, it, and it, it, even it fewer, felt very And fewer slowly. big private schools that would have done it. Absolutely. Um, so that's, uh, to know that I was able to follow on that legacy, because I became head of drama there about oh, early to mid-1980s anyway. However, it stayed at that level for about 10 years, and it's only when we started to move into year 11 and 12 that big advances took. So if you talk about the highs of a career, it would involve um, being able to convince the school and get the support of um, people who were prepared to commit the school to put their money where their mouth was. Yes. And boy, did they and do And take that. it to the next level. Oh, 10 levels above. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 10, uh, 15 years ago, the school committed itself to spending money on the performing arts that no school in Australia has managed to match since. Now, they didn't have to do that. No. 
and but, but it's good that they see they it did. as a priority. Yes. It, it, model, mm. it models really uh, good things to the students and the community, that, that school mm. community, that this is a valued pursuit. So that was in about, year t in about 2000, and it was seen as the big catch-up. Yeah. That we haven't spent anything on our performing arts since the 1930s. And I think Let's a lot of do it now. Yeah, and I think a lot mm. of schools have followed suit and ha have, and, yes. and are now investing into mm. their performing mm. arts facilities and things. A couple which had is done wonderful. it before. Like uh, Camberwell Grammar had put a lot of money into it in the late uh, 90s. They mm. built a. Um, a large uh, theatre. And I think Mount Scope um, has put yes, the Beeson Centre the Beeson in. The Beeson Centre went in. Um, so. But now the funny thing is, you see, um, very few schools can afford to do it now. That's right. There was that big build in the 70s where they yes. put a massive number yes. of libraries, multi-purpose rooms in throughout high schools in all those areas. Yes. But yes. we, I think we're getting to the point where we need another catch-up anyway. Mm. Your most memorable experience, Stephen? I know there's probably masses of them, but what would be the most memorable? Oh, Could um, you isolate it? Look, uh, certainly the opening of the James Forbes Academy at Scotch is mm. probably the highlight of the, 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 the drama career itself at the moment when the school said you can, you know, make a speech and open this building. Wow. Um, and being able to be an essential part of a, you know, a five-year planning process before mm. that. Mm. To be consulted and have Totally. Input. And the school had total faith in a very small number of people and they didn't loop every decision back through a committee. Mm. Mm. They said those people who use the building are confined by these constraints and there's this reporting process mm. but we will put into your mix um, really good architects, really experienced theatrical designers and really experienced theatre building engineers mm. and sound consultants. Yes, for acoustics. And if you all work as a, as a team, what could possibly go wrong? Yeah, well, you know? well, how and, could it go wrong? And it didn't go wrong. Yes, it's a you beautiful know. facility. Yeah. Um, I've been a guest mm. over there. I, I attended a, um, a conference session there once, and it's really a very, very impressive building yes, and a wonderful yes, piece of infrastructure yes, yes, for the rest of is. the life of the school. Yes, that's right. Um, mentors and collaborators that you've had the good fortune to work with mm. over time. Look. Um, I was very fortunate in, I, I feel that I went to Rosen at a time when there were some very interesting people there. They didn't pretend to be secondary school educators, so they, I think they were able to um, um, exercise their passions theatrically. Um, while I was at Rosden, to start off with, I was very close with um, uh, John Ellis, mm -hmm. with whom I did a lot of um, stage lighting. Um, I was very close with uh, Geoffrey Milne, mm -hmm. who um, taught me in first and uh, first year and second year, and uh, with whom I spent um, a Christmas in Paris at that time as well, in about 1977. Um, 
a very kind and uh, and um, uh, communicative person of great knowledge in mm. theatre, and really well entrenched in what was happening in Melbourne theatre at that time. Mm -hmm. um, and with a strong background in um, alternative theatre, but also in stage lighting, which is something that I enjoyed a lot. Um, with John Preston, who was um, uh, I, I had a lot of production involvement with. Um, and although she wouldn't remember it, Shirley McKechnie, who taught me how not to hit my knees together in very basic <laughs> movement. But these were people who taught me not just to be highly skilled in these things, which I don't think I ever was, but they taught me a respect for what it does and why it has to be there. Okay. So that was at Rusden. And then when I moved to, uh, to Scotch, there are a number of teachers who... Um, had been involved, who'd been teachers at the school since the end of the, since the closing of the Second World War, and if we just put the performing arts to the side, I found them very, very interesting as mentors. Hmm, yes, because, because there are there are your drama theatre mentors, but you're quite right. Within the context of education, there are other hmm. co colleagues that you learn a lot from about being an educator? It's essentially you don't see your own subject matter as being the font of all educational philosophy. It's mm. very easy to fall into that trap. Mm. A lot of my mentors were people who wouldn't have ever come and seen a play I produced. Mm. It didn't worry me, it never has. But they're mentoring you as Absolutely. the educator. As a yeah. professional. And a professional. Uh, and gave me faith in teaching as a profession because we all enter mm -hmm. our teaching careers thinking we know what education is all about, but really our, um, our experience has been a group of teachers that we may or may not have liked at secondary school. Exactly. And it's not, it's not a broad enough experience to, well, uh, to build that, a career it, it, it's, it's what people say, isn't it? It's very different to be the patient and the doctor. So yes, just because you've yeah. been to school doesn't mean that you are knowledgeable about mm, teaching mm. or could be a teacher. Exactly. And when I started to teach too, even those who taught drama at the school, at that point there was only one other drama teacher at the school, his name was Ian Harrison. He was an English teacher who had a passion for theatre. Mm -hmm. But you've got to take your hat off to someone who's not specifically educated in, say, the teaching method and yet can cut through that and see even though I'm an English teacher, I can see the value in teaching this other subject yes. as well, which everyone else does not actually There's respect There's a professional generosity point. there. There's there a real is. professional generosity, and I, I was also blessed mm, with mm. being surrounded by expert teachers of other disciplines who were generous in mm, sharing mm, things and, and mm, sharing their... Mm. Uh, their ethical, mm. you know, mm. pedagogy with me. Mind you, one of my best and most, uh, one of my very most liked mentors, I must admit, did say to me um, after I'd been there about three years, hmm, I see you've got a Bachelor of Education. Yes, I say proudly. From Rusden. <laughs> yes, I say proudly. He says, why don't you go and get a proper degree? <laughs> oh, yes, look. 
And that's, that, that, that was pretty common too. Well, that but was his advice. Any <laughs> <laughs> that, that was his advice to you. It was his advice. What advice mm. would you give to the next generation of drama educators? Um, it wouldn't be to do with going and getting specific qualifications. It would be to do with um, not becoming too specialist or precious about one area of, of your profession, keeping an open mind so that, you know, um, in, say, with regard to production, that stagecraft is just as important as everything else. Having a total respect for those people who have ability in those areas because mm -hmm. they are becoming fewer and fewer. Mm -hmm. But I think I would also, in a more general way, I would advise them not to lose sight of why drama teaching exists. It's easy to let it um, be condensed into its various qualities like working in groups or um, uh, learning a particular uh, or expanding particular expressive skills or, or whatever. But I think you've got to keep its base in theatre and performance, um, not as a broader communication studies course. Okay. I think it's got to have its artistic integrity. It has to have and that. And from at everything the else, the others it. flow. Yeah. Um, I think that in um, some of the assessment, as it's developing over the last few years, we're starting to see, especially the top end of the, of, you know, units one and two, starting to serve the examination process rather than the examination process serving the subject matter. It's very easy to grill students and ask them to write in highly specific terms about four expressive skills, you know, a certain number of, you know, nine dramatic elements. Oops, but we used to have 12. Yes. But now, you know, um, and giving the impression that these are the subject drama. It's that's bigger than all that. That's the gospel. It's yeah, bigger. It's actually way bigger than that. And I worry that we're starting to become a little bit... Um, uh, the, the tail is starting to wag the donkey a little bit. Well, on that cautionary mm. note, mm. Stephen, I'd like to thank you very, very much mm. for coming along and being interviewed as one of our legends. Thank um, you. Yeah. It's wonderful to speak to you about your life's work in drama education and mm. We should really have another half hour. There's plenty more because we haven't <laughs> talked about shows, we haven't talked about, um, you know, because I've done shows for every year in that 38 years now, so there's 38 of those too. But mm -hmm. uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's all from us at The Aside. There are 49 other Mama interviews you might like to listen to, so please do feel free to go and find those and have a listen. Thank you to all the people involved in conducting the Mama interviews. The list is extensive. Happy 50th birthday to Drama Victoria, and thank you to the 50 legends for giving us their time. If you would like to ask the aside a question, or you have a suggestion for a future episode, please do not hesitate to contact us at asidepodcast at outlook.com. 
Thank you to Eltham College for letting us record here. Thank you to Drama Victoria for their ongoing support. And of course, thank you for listening.